0: Hey, let's talk about a team that's winning, the Caps. Welcome to the DMV Sports Roundtable with Jamal, Chris, George, and me, Dimitri. Although a couple of those guys aren't around yet, they'll roll in eventually. We do have two special guests. Ben Raby, who you can hear before and after Caps games on the radio. He's also the author of the new book, 100 Things Capitals Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. And our frequent visitor, our good buddy, D.C. area sports writer, Chris Chase, with us on Skype. So, Ben, it seems like uh, certain teams have the Caps number, like the Islanders not too long ago. But for the most part... They're just rolling And since uh, we don't have too many caps experts on our podcast, <laughs> we needed to bring you in to kind of fill us in on how they're do- how you see them doing right now and uh, is it another case of good regular season? question marks about the postseason
1: well they're playing better of late that's for sure they had a shaky start to this season which I don't think was entirely unexpected there was a whole lot of turnover in the offseason you lose a couple of guys veterans like Carl Alsner Justin Williams 24 goals a year ago Marcus Johansson 24 goals a year ago Daniel Winnick a depth forward a dozen goals a year ago what I'm getting at is they lost quite a few regulars from last season's president's trophy winning team and they didn't exactly go out in the offseason and bring in how household names, they brought in a few depth forwards, a guy on a tryout for example like an a- Alex On we're really going down the depth chart here, but essentially what I'm getting <laughs> at is they were relying on rookies and guys who have been developing over the past years with the farm team in Hershey and all that being said, there were some growing pains, particularly in October and early November, there were some injuries as well to number one defenseman Matt Niskanen but finally now I would say since mid-November uh, the Capitals since that time they won 9 of 12 games um, heading into a Thursday night match up against the Boston Bruins. And that being said, uh, you're starting to see the, the young players play better of late and also worth noting a lineup change going back 10 or so games ago. The reunion of Alex Ovechkin and Nick Backstrom on the number one line uh, has paid terrific dividends with uh, Tom Wilson rounding out that trio. So I would say going back about a month, last 12 games, nine out of 12 on the winning side, they've moved into a first place tie. Uh, certainly a, a lot better than the first month and a half of the season, if you will.
2: I've had a theory that since we, since the Caps have had so many problems in the postseason, but they've had such dominant regular seasons, would it be a better idea, not idea, but would it be better for them as a team if maybe they didn't win the President's Trophy, maybe if they backed into the playoffs almost and, and didn't you know, have the number one seed? Do you think that might be the way that they can – advance further in the postseason? Well, I was
1: going to say, we we were kidding earlier in the season. We're getting ready for this cliche at the end of the year. The last week of the season, when you figure they do, I don't want to say squeak into the postseason, but if they get in and it's not with a double-digit lead atop the division like in past years, we're getting ready for this cliche, Jamal. We're getting ready for them to say, we've been playing playoff hockey for a month to put ourselves (laughs) in this position, because in years past, the past couple of years, they always come back to, well, we've had to manufacture energy down the stretch. The postseason comes, we've had to turn on the switch which we haven't seen in these parts where they have to really claw their way into a postseason berth. It's been a few years. I would say 2012 when they got in during the last week of the season was the last time, and coincidentally they they went uh, again to round two, game seven. It seems that's the the traditional recipe, Mm -hmm. but uh, we are getting ready for that. I don't think you could do that necessarily by design, but uh, could there potentially be some benefits if it plays out that way? Uh, I think uh, certainly the team would try to make the case that uh, they could
0: potentially take advantage of that. You know, is Barry Trotz with us a year from now if uh, history repeats itself? And I don't know, maybe they get into the first round or something and then are done again. And in other words, is he one and done?
1: I will say he's he's playing for at least at the very least a contract extension here. It's no secret. This is the final year of his deal. Mm -hmm. And often, as we see in sports, you would usually try to give your head coach an extension going into the final year of that deal. You don't want the quote unquote lame duck situation and that being said general manager brian mcclellan was very frank in the offseason he said he wasn't prepared to necessarily give barry trotz an extension just yet wanted to see how this year played out knowing that it would be more of a challenge compared to years past for the reasons I stated earlier and particularly the turnover. So uh, I do think there's some truth to that, Dimitri. I think we'll know a whole lot more about Barry Trotz and about the team, you know, come springtime. But uh, I will say this as well, Dimitri, I think the fact that they have taken care of business of late, I reference winning 9 of 12. I think that's uh, given him a little bit of breathing room, a little bit of security right now because going back to mid-November, they had a couple of blowout losses in Nashville and in Denver, Colorado. Mary Trotts himself said in his three-plus seasons here, that was the low point of his tenure. He acknowledged that. Mm-hmm. And uh, since then, a nice bounce back. But had it not turned around... I could have been a a different narrative uh, as early as this
3: month for sure. Okay, so, Ben, I'm going to plug your book because uh, if, you know, if we're here, there's no other reason than to plug your book. (laughs) One hundred things Capitals fans should know and do before they die. Uh, Look, I'm sure everyone can guess what the most important thing on that list is. I don't want to have you give it away or anything, but I'm sure everyone in Washington knows what a Capitals fan would like before they die. There's a cup involved. But, uh, you know if there's you know you have a hundred things on the list what's one that's sort of off the beaten path that uh you know uh, general hockey fans wouldn't know about or something that might surprise like what's one that you really think a lot of people should try to do uh beyond you know watching them hoist a cup up in the air in june <laughs> well i'll tell you it's a it's hundred things to know
1: and do so uh, i'll start with the do and i think going to see an outdoor game they only come every so often right. uh should be high on that list uh, the capitals this March are going to be playing outdoors for the third time. And there's a thought that maybe the event has become a little bit watered down in the NHL because it's no longer a once a year event involving two teams. There tends to be three games outdoors involving now six teams. But that being said, it's still, it's only every few years. And I don't think the television broadcast of it as Good a job as they do does it justice to actually going to see the event because that's what it is. It's more than a hockey game. It's the pomp and circumstance, and it, it, it there's a lot that goes into it around the game day experience. You're in a football stadium or a baseball stadium, but it has that you know big time football game feel, if you will, for what is otherwise you know game 61 of the regular <laughs> season in hockey. So I, I would say that going to see the Capitals play outdoors. Again, this will only be the third time it happens. Uh, I, I put that high on the list. And uh, real quick, uh, something uh, about the team's history to to know that is a little bit off the path, if you will. I didn't realize it until I did the research for the book. Uh, Larry King. Yeah, that Larry King. He was part of the Capitals broadcast team on the you TV the side. Lab. Larry King going back. Uh, it was the 1983-84 season. It was the first year. Of home team sports, the TV network here, which has evolved into Comcast Sportsnet, NBC Sports Washington now. And Larry King at the time, he had an overnight syndicated radio show. He didn't begin his shift. He didn't begin his show until midnight. It was an overnight show. And he called up the TV network. He knew the producer personally, but he called up the Hmm. TV network and said literally he had. Time to kill in the evenings, (laughs) and he wanted to make sure he was up. He wanted to make sure he was awake and, you know, had the adrenaline going. So he took part in the 1983-84 season. Larry King was part of the Capitals broadcast team.
2: I did not know. That's that's a huge <laughs> nugget of, of information right there. I had no clue. Hosted, no idea. He host,
1: hosted the uh, the intermissions, wow. and, and it was interesting because what they did at the time, which is almost like commonplace now, but at the time it was a novelty, they had him set up in the concourse on mm. not a stage but a platform, and they would have fans in the background, and they would bring guests <laughs> to him, either uh, other media members, politicians, whatever it may have been, and it was a scene. Now, now we tend to see that quite a bit, right. that concept. But uh, back in 84 with Larry King as the face, it was uh, an original concept at the time.
3: So I just Googled it uh, after Ben said that. And if you're wondering, no, Larry was not wearing the suspenders <laughs> when he was doing this. There's a picture of him in a nice cardigan, uh, but no suspenders yet. I guess that Larry King hadn't uh, evolved yet.
0: You, you know, I wanted to ask you a uh... Something about the fan base, uh, Ben. There was, you know, going back maybe ten years now, right around ten years, some something like that. Sixty-six is clogged on game nights because people are coming in from the Virginia suburbs to get to Capital now Capital One Arena. Uh, with the the repeated excitement during the regular season and what we've seen in the postseason, is the fan base waning? I mean, I guess the the place is still full on game nights, so that might be all the evidence you need to to know. Um, But I'm just wondering if some people, as fickle uh, fans as we are around here, say, you know what, wake me up uh, if they get past the first round.
1: I I, I would say this, Dimitri, and I'm going to sound like a capitals apologist here and and by the way i'll preface this by saying as well the book is not uh an infomercial necessarily for the capitals the book highlights the playoff disappointments and and the poor trades that have been made etc etc but as far as the fan base i i will say that i hope folks in these parts uh have not taken this era for granted and i think we are getting to a point where they probably are for the obvious reason that it has not translated into postseason success but you know and speaking of people for the book I, i think When Dale Hunter came back as the head coach years ago, people thought of Dale Hunter, they thought back to the quote-unquote good old days in the the late 80s. And there were a lot of players from the Capital Center, for example, that brought back memories of the good old days. Well, I think one day, folks, you know, 20 years from now, are going to look back at this era and they're going to say those were the good old days. You know, Alex Ovechkin and Nick Backstrom and... Going back a few years ago, Bruce Boudreaux brought a high offensive, very entertaining style, and it you know galvanized the fan base in these parts. It put this team in a position where they could host outdoor games, which, let's be honest, 15, 20 years ago, the thought of the Washington Capitals selling 40,000 tickets to go watch a regular season game, whether there's a roof on the building or not, <laughs> uh, would have been a foreign concept. So uh, I do think that the fan base over the last decade Uh, you know, you can make the case has been spoiled. I I really believe that, that this should not be taken for granted. There have been great moments at Verizon Center, Capital One Arena, watching Ovechkin and company do their thing. All that being said, still waiting that elusive postseason run, and and that's what I'm getting at. Even if it it never comes, if they never break through to a Stanley Cup final or a Stanley Cup ring, uh, I I hope folks do not take this era for granted because there will be a time when they'll be like, you know, most of the other 30 teams in the NHL right now where – uh you know, you, some years you're good, some years you're not. But this has really been a terrific decade-long run here.
2: And I think you can also take that to Nationals fan base because they almost marry each other in the way that both teams dominate regular seasons, they win divisions. They have great regular seasons, and then when it comes to the postseason, it's always the same disappointment year in and year out, and both organizations marry each other in, the, in that way. And the fan base is also, you know, you tell the, the Caps fan base, don't take it for granted. You can say the same thing yeah. to Nats fans. Don't take this era for granted where you had Bryce Harper and Strasburg and Scherzer because we might not get to that. You You might not be there every year, like you said, They get spoiled a little bit. And, know, and, and Redskins and, fans can't relate, but. <laughs> but, but, but but that's our point, right? And I was going
1: to say the Wizards as well. The last right. few years, the Wizards have finally started to exactly. turn it around, and it's an easy team to get behind that has the potential for a lot of success. But let's remember it took decades, right, to right. get to that point where they were just another run-of-the-mill team. And mm-hmm. I think that's what I'm getting at, Jamal too, talking about whether it's the Nats or the Capitals, two teams that right. I think we could say are, are, are not run of the mill franchises no. at the moment. And whether those championships come or not, uh hopefully folks uh do not take it for granted because using the redskins or the wizards as examples could certainly
2: be the other way yeah people don't remember a lot of people who are football fans don't remember the laughing stock that the patriots once were back in the 80s and 90s they were terrible they were the doormats outside of the 85 uh super bowl where they did get crushed by the bears they were not good people did not want to play in new england But people now or newer fans or fans that are of a certain age only know the Belichick and and, and Brady dynasty. And that, you know, that came over many years of losing, you know, to your point. So sometimes when you're used to your team, you only know them as winners there was a past history that your team was also a loser or just a, a random team or ordinary team.
1: I, I was thinking to your point, the first thing that comes to my mind when you're talking about the Patriots, too, they, they almost moved in the 1990s. I think right. people forget that. They yeah. almost went to, I think it was Hartford, you know, which I guess technically would have still been New, New, New England. By, yeah, New England. Uh, but before Robert Kraft bought that team and yeah. Andrew Bledsoe came on board as a first or second overall pick in 93, yeah, they were...
0: Uh, you're in pretty bad shape. Yeah, they were a terrible organization. I was thinking of how much I love Pat the Patriot and that old helmet uh, much more so than Definitely. the Flying Elvis, which
3: I don't know. Oh, it's it, it's the best one. It's the best logo <laughs> in the NFL. I, I've done uh, at my various stops through the internet. Uh, I've done a lot of rankings of logos, and that has always been. If you're looking at the throwbacks, <laughs> number one, you have Pat Patriot. He's got the old school Bronco Nagurski helmet on. Yeah, exactly. He's, you know, under center snapping the ball and then they change to this, you know, fly, the, the flying Elvis, which uh, is this <laughs> terrible color scheme. They're the Patriots and red, white and blue is not featured in their color scheme very well at all. It's like when the it's like when the uh, Capitals went to that horrible black and blue. And uh, mm-hmm. what was the other color, Ben? Black, blue and gold. Rons, yeah, yeah. Something Brahans, yeah. I mean. Yeah, it made no sense. They're the Capitals. They should be wearing red, white, right. and blue, and the Patriots should be, too. Uh, but it's going to be hard to, you know, once Belichick and Brady are gone and people say, well, maybe they should go back to the old uniforms, it's going to be hard to go back on uh, 17 years of yeah, no. the greatest success the NFL has ever seen. So I think we're stuck with Flying Elvis for a while.
0: Probably so. Ben, uh, don't l- get out of here without one more anecdote from your book. We can do that at, at the end, because I want to make sure that, you know, it's well represented. But Chris Cheon is watching. I think it's a perfect time to pivot to baseball. Can one of you guys explain kind of what's going on with the Yankees, what it might mean for Nationals fans who maybe want Bryce Harper to stay here, or maybe we find another Bryce Harper if that's possible?
2: They're in the running for Manny Machado, who for whatever reason the Orioles are trying to move him, maybe they don't think that they'll be able to resign him. He's not worth the contract that he's he's not. He's not coming here. Well, I'm only saying that because – if you lose out on Bryce, because they'll both hit the free agency at the same time, they're both 25, Manny has been relatively a little more healthy than Bryce has been over the course of their two careers. If you miss out on Bryce, do you then turn your attention to Manny? Because the Yankees, he's not, neither one will sign an extension. They'll be foolish to sign extensions if Manny goes to the Yankees which to me would be very far-fetched, for, if I'm an Orioles fan, to trade him within the division. That's like us trading Bryce Harper to uh, the Phillies or, or the Mets or, or the Braves or, or, or something like that. It just it's, it would seem insane to do, but they're in the mix. Uh, the White Sox seem to be uh, the heavy favorites right now. They're, they're making the biggest push. But the Yankees are definitely in the mix. They, they've got Judge. they got Giancarlo Stanton. If you add Machado to the mix, then you're looking at the Yankees of old, possibly with that super team mentality that they used to have on the Steinbrenner.
3: Well, see, I mean, so the whole thing, and uh, Jamal was talking about this, is the Marlins with uh, Derek Jeter really as the? It's a, it <laughs> it's a fascinating. It's a fascinating situation down there in Miami. He's like a four percent something like that owner of the team, uh, but he's basically now the the uh, face of the Marlins, and he's now the fall guy as they're doing yet another fire sale. So they give Giancarlo Stanton away, highest paid player in baseball, and everyone thinks, okay, well Giancarlo Stanton is now in New York. They won't be able to afford Bryce Harper because uh, Hal Steinbrenner and his brother have said they don't want to go too far over the luxury tax. So people think that this means Harper isn't going to go to New York. His biggest destination uh, is now filled. So maybe this gives the Nationals a better chance to get him at the end of the 2018 season. I I think just two things immediately popped into mind when Stanton signed with the Yankees. One, you knew that everybody was going to say the Yankees are out. I don't think the Yankees are out of anything. Uh, It is. If you look at it now, they're gonna to have to pay Aaron Judge in six years. They have this huge Stanton contract, but they are the Yankees. They print money, and if they can just, you know, if they can get a mantle Maris with uh, Bryce Harper and Giancarlo Stanton, and then throw in Aaron Judge uh, on the other side, and you know, throw in Babe Ruth on the other side, I think, I think they, you know, I think they, Babe they, they Ruth of that.
0: Japan, you mean? No, no, he's going, he's yeah. going to the West Coast. Exactly. I
3: mean, Scott Boris, who is the agent for Bryce Harper now, who is uh, basically co-GM of the Nationals, because so many guys come, uh, the Boris agents come here, Um, you know, he is a, he is a crafty he's the best agent that sports has ever seen he is crafty he could defer money he could you know convince bryce that going to new york would be so good for his image even though i think this the you know the image thing in the age of 24 7 sports and the internet is sort of uh, isn't as important as it was whether you play in new york or washington or la or whatnot uh but i I, know, I think there's a way that the yankees can get him and they'd be stupid not to want him but the other thing is Everyone speculated about Bryce Harper since 2012. I mean, since before the Nats drafted him, everyone's been pegging him for he's going to go to the Yankees in 2018, uh, 2019. He's going to go to the Yankees in 2019. And they do this because he grew up a Yankees fan. Uh, His number is 34, which is three plus four uh, is Mickey Mantle's number, which is seven. So there's a lot of connections here. But we haven't really heard from Bryce himself talk about how he wants to go to the Yankees. I mean, look, I love the Beatles. I'm not moving to Liverpool. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's just, it's, I... Scott Boris is going to do the best for his client. Uh, if Bryce wants to go to New York then he's going to go to New York and if it means taking a little pay cut less than what he would have gotten from going to St. Louis or somewhere else, then he'll go to New York. If he doesn't and he wants to stay, then the Nationals I believe are going to do everything they can to have him stay and, and you know to go off the uh, the thing we don't you know, no one knows anything about the Nationals when Scott Boris, uh, had his client Max Scherzer sign in Washington. Nobody thought that Scherzer was going to come to D.C. Everyone thought that Nats were done that season in terms of free agents. And all of a sudden they get a guy who's now won two Cy Youngs. So that shows how the Nationals come out of nowhere to get guys. And then you have Steven Strasburg, who is also a Boris agent, who everyone was looking at and saying, well, maybe when he hits free agency he'll go to San Diego, his hometown, or maybe the Yankees will bid for him or yada, yada, yada. And uh, Strasburg, who is a different you know, different kind than Bryce Harper. He's a more introspective, quiet guy. But he didn't even reach free agency. He, he agreed to a long-term huge contract before reaching free agency. So nobody knows anything. And I think about this Harper, no one, no one has a good pulse of it. Uh, if the Nationals reporters didn't know about the Strasburg extension and Scherzer coming here ahead of time, then they surely aren't going to know what Boris and Bryce Harper are planning.
4: Nobody knew about Scherzer, including Mike Rizzo. He <laughs> <laughs> didn't. He didn't learn. They, they they told him, "Look, we got you, Max Scherzer." That's how that and went down. And he said, "What?" Yeah, <laughs> that's how that happened. So you're so you're right. So are you guys? Hello, saying, Bri- everybody. Are you how guys, are
0: you? Georgia, you, You came in and sort of dropped the hammer well, down. Well, Chris gave me the right uh, yeah, right yeah. Uh, intro. He there. set you up. He uh, didn't even know I was here. Are you guys saying Bryce Harper is staying in Washington? I think there's
2: a shot, of it's, it's possible. It's if the money's possible. there, he's been here comfortable, and he has expressed after the games uh, that he loves the fan base and whatnot that could just be a spur-of-the-moment type deal after he gets a home run and the crowd's cheering for him. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it's about sort of the level of competition this is a good town to be in, as far as your you know NL East taking on the Mets every year. That's nice little. Hopefully the Mets get back, but they haven't done anything in the winter meetings here. I don't know. Ultimately, under my head, I still think he ends up in the Chicago Cubs, but uh, we'll certainly see kind of what happens. Well, see, it depends on Rizzo's deal is up after the season, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, depends on who's making the decisions. Well, like you just said, it's it's ultimately the learners even if Rizzo was here or not. Right. But if Rizzo was not here, then it really leaves it kind of hanging up in the air as to are they going to make the decision or will they leave it to whoever they bring in or will it be a joint decision or what will it be? The learners have not necessarily been, let's say they're frugal, to put it in a, in a nice way. <laughs> Don't want to say they're cheap, but very d- Very difficult. responsible. There <laughs> you go. Fiscally responsible. So are they really going to dish out the type of money that we expect Bryce is going to See, get. And
4: here's the thing, I don't think they, and I don't know if I'm the minority on this or not, I don't think this team, if they don't sign Bryce Harper, it's not over. No, it's
2: not. They got so a lot of young I don't pieces. think they
4: should spend five, six hundred million dollars on, on Bryce Harper. Whatever they're going to be.
2: Somebody's going to give him the money. It's a matter of where he just wants to play. It's, the thing is, it's, it's the fact that he's 25 and he's still... Nobody's got- ever
4: hit free agency in this, in, 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 in,
2: at his age, right. in this world. It's, it's the fact that he's 25 years old, and if we're sitting here talking about an older player that's been around for a while, you know, that, that's in his 30s, then it's, it's a different conversation. I understand what you're saying completely right. about paying him, but at 25, in the prime of his career, only going to get better, has plenty more years to give you. That kind of gives you pause like, okay, it's a lot of money, but is the investment worth it long term? it could be well, it, you know Gavin's yeah team, I, if, he's I, I, think if you,
3: I think if you look to the rangers the texas rangers who are the the team that signed the only other baseball player in history who is comparable to Bryce Harper in terms of hitting free agency as this huge megastar, when they signed Alex A-Rod, Rodriguez, yeah. and I believe that was got all the way back in uh, 2000, mm-hmm. and they signed him to oh, a ten year, two hundred fifty-two yeah, million dollar deal, and that was two hundred fifty million dollars in 2000. I mean, yeah. so the <laughs> five hundred million valuation does kind of make sense if you think back to A Rod. But everyone in Texas will tell you that that crippled their franchise for Mm -hmm. years. And it wasn't until he opted out to go back to to go to the Yankees that uh, they were able to recover. So there is some precedent for a big contract like this hamstringing a team. The Nats, it's uh, I think the baseball world's a little different now. But that mass and money that they're not getting is very important. Mm -hmm. And uh, the learners may be frugal. I agree with Jamal on that, especially when it comes to managers. But they have shelled out for players that. Worth contract was 35 percent over market value. Uh, They they paid, you know, they gave uh, Strasburg a ton of money, Scherzer a ton of money. So it's not going to be because I don't think it's going to be because they're not willing to bid on him. They may not be willing to go as high as some are going to go. But I mean, so you asked the question, George, do you think he will be here in twenty nineteen? I didn't ask the question. <laughs> I, I, asked, I, ask I asked the question, but but
0: Georgie answered it or tried to answer it.
3: Do okay, think... so I'm going to ask you now, George. Do you think we'll be here in 2019? Um, you think everybody's?
2: You, you think everybody's leaving town, cousins? cousins. Yeah. <laughs> no. First of well, all, we're about, Cous- to get, we're about to get first to First of all,
4: cousins is not everybody, Mister Cheon. We're
2: going to rent a moving <laughs> van Close together. Enough.
4: Jeez. Um, it's it's not an easy I, question I, to answer. I, I don't. I don't. I think. I think the Yankee thing, I think changes things a little bit. I really do. Here's the thing: it's not, it's not. I don't think Harper is dying to get out of here. I really don't. I don't either. He he does. I mean, he. I mean, from people I've talked to, he genuinely does like it here. Now you keep switching managers every couple (laughs) years, yeah. And you keep, you know, uh, uh, that's less no stability there. Yeah. Then you he has to ask the question. I would say, but. I think he he does like it here. I think if they win a World Series this year, I think it's. I'd say I'd lean toward to to a higher percentage of him being gone.
1: Yeah, I, I was just that about to sense. say that. If yeah. you, I was I was just about to bring up that point because that that goes for the learners as well. If they, let's say, reach the World Series, this is all hypothetical. They mm-hmm. reach the World Series, they don't finish the job, but they've had a taste of that. Yeah. And you are losing other players, potentially, at the end of this season. Very quietly, Daniel Murphy's contract is set to expire. Uh, Adam Eaton, I believe, was only a two-year deal. We didn't see him last year. Looking forward to seeing him this year. The back end of the bullpen, Madsen and Doolittle, are up at the end of this year. It's that that quote-unquote window. You wonder how many opportunities you have left. But uh, I, I, I do believe if he doesn't sign an extension during the season... Which, based on Scott Boras' clients, Strasburg, yeah. the exception, seems unlikely. Yeah. Maybe the the fall postseason uh, d- does play a factor to an extent. Here's the thing: and Harper's a baseball. He's a
4: he's a baseball. He loves the history of baseball, right? The whole Yankee thing we talk about. That's why I think the Cubs is a top spot. But plus, his buddies there, right? His, yeah. his his boy. Um, he loves Wrigley Field. He mentions that all the time. He's a history. He's a baseball history guy. So that being said, I think he also could be under the. There aren't many players that start and finish their career in one spot. Right. So he could be. He'd want to keep that. He could think that too. His buddy exactly. Is I mean, ask Albert is...
3: Pujols. Right. What would? Well, you know, if you go back in time and Pujols had the decision again to go to the Angels or sign uh, with the Cardinals for yeah. what I think was even more money or about the same money, yeah. I bet he would say, "I'm going to stay in St. Louis." I mean, I, I can't agree. obviously mm-hmm. speak for Pujols, but you become a legend. You're Cal Ripken in Baltimore. You're yeah, Derek right. Jeter in in New York. And I agree. I think that that has to be a big pull, especially since Strasburg's
4: doing it now too. These two guys back to back. You know, the they, cornerstones here. Right. You know, you never know.
2: Did Griffey finish? He played his whole career in Seattle? No, no he really went to Cincy. No. The oh, White Sox. Forgot, I forgot How could about you forget that. his
4: time in Chicago uh, with the White Sox, George? Come on. Was the White
2: Sox then the Reds? He, that, that's like no, it's the Reds, and then he played for the White Sox. That's for like, like remembering a week. Jerry Rice playing for yeah. the Broncos. For Montana or Montana with the Chiefs. Yeah. Patrick well, Ewing, the Super I, Sox. I'm not going to say that one because. He actually played well. He did take a Jerry Rice was forgettable in Seattle. You know what the worst one was? And... Art
4: Monk playing in Philadelphia. That was, that was terrible. That that is
2: Brian the Mitchell playing in Philadelphia because yeah. he he could still play. Yeah, and it's Smith, the Arizona Cardinals.
0: Oh, do yeah. <laughs> this all day.
2: Can't forget that one.
0: Well, as long as we're talking hey. about greats, like Wait, uh, what were you going to add, you know, Chris?
3: Who are you going to? Sorry, was going to say I was going to say every single old running back ever with the Arizona Cardinals. Uh.
0: <laughs> well, as long as we're talking about Redskins greats, we should talk about. Somehow, some way, the skins. Uh, is it better that they just lose now and get a better position in the draft, or uh, that might mean that everybody's gone? Like when I say everybody, I mean Gruden, Bruce Allen,
2: Kirk, it, Kirk Cousins. If, if you blow it up, you got to start with Bruce.
4: If you, if you, because of the fact that Kirk Cousins is going to be leaving town, <laughs> then yes, because you're working yourself now into a top ten pick.
2: Yeah, is what you're doing. If you if you don't win another game, yeah,
4: yeah. The problem is every other team that you're playing is doing the same, same thing. thing.
2: <laughs> like right now, where they're, they're what eleven twelve yeah. they're right outside the top ten right now. Yeah. Yeah. Three losses get you up there, yeah. but like you said, Arizona wants to do the same yeah, thing. do The Giants. The, the Giants already know <laughs> yeah. that they're locked in in the top five anyway. Two spot. Anyway. Three spot. Yeah. They're already up there. So I don't. Maybe they play for pride if they have any more. But I don't. You got to start with Bruce. If you if you do like, you know me and George, we talk, we go back to this all the time. You know I'm not a huge Gruden fan, mm-hmm. not a big fan of a hire of his hire or higher what he does. But do I think he needs to be fired? No, I think it's premature to fire him, especially when you have twenty some odd players on the injured reserve this season. Any coach should get a pass mm-hmm. for that when your entire offensive line is out for. A few games at a time, and you, you're shuffling guys in off the street, your running backs go down, your your number one pick and, and Jonathan Allen goes down, I Unitedis loses time. This team before the injuries hit, when let's say week two, week three, week four, they dominated the Rams. Oh, okay, yeah, they
4: competed with anybody.
2: They dominated at the time. Now it looks worse now because of where Oakland has ended up. At the time, they're 0 3 0, dominated them for the first most of the first half of the Kansas City game. Was they had fallen off as well, but mm-hmm. at the time, undefeated, they dominated that team. And you could see that team was growing into something and could possibly do something. But as soon as that injury bug hit, and it didn't hit once and it hit over, and, and it's still hitting, you still Josh Norman didn't practice today. You still got guys. That are getting dinged up and injured, you got to give him the benefit of the doubt with that. Bruce Allen gets no benefit of anything in my book. He's taking the big. He's he's the the the
4: the the backlash he, that Bruce is going to take. He made it that way. I know it's just going to be. I'm afraid that it's going to get ugly, and I don't know how you're going to spin the the Bruce Allen thing. I mean, if you, you can't, I don't. Well, I
0: don't know how. But here, here's a bigger question. We know Dan Snyder does not bend to the will of media commentators. If he wants Bruce Allen to stick around, he'll stick around, right? Bruce, yeah, no. but
4: he's a, the fans thing. You remember the, when Jim Fossa was hired,
0: or right. not hired,
4: and then and, and Snyder read all that, and then, and then they, they didn't the hire The Vinny they Serrano situation. Zorn. Yeah.
2: That, he been, the thing is this, Dan Snyder, like any other NFL owner, it doesn't matter what the media says. They don't bend to that, like Dimitri said. hmm when you start affecting their bottom line, when people stop showing up to games and buying high-priced, price, overly overly-priced beers and parking, when that bottom line is hitting, you hit them in the pockets, that's when they listen. When they got rid of Serato, what happened? People were not going to the games anymore. People were putting on paper bags, and they wanted to fire Snyder if they could. If, they Dan, want everybody going. if
4: Dan thinks Bruce is his key to a new stadium, then he's not going anywhere.
2: See, And that, that's the other angle. You know, if there is a way, if Dan can find a way that that deal can get done without Bruce's involvement, then he definitely should be out the door. But if you're going to sacrifice what you're putting out on the field and you're putting out a mediocre product on the field and you keep blowing up this franchise over and over again and this fan base starts to lose interest, it doesn't matter if you have a new stadium if you've got nobody to come watch your team. I yeah, people, keep, but people go will go. It's people like the old uh, field go, of dreams. People still, will come, Ray. They, if, they they build, will. if they build,
3: down in DC. People will go. But I mean, I, I still, think you know, George hit on it. He said, he said, if they start, if you know, fans don't start coming to the games. I remember a couple of years ago, George uh, had a widely disseminated tweet of FedEx Field in uh, that snowy game against the Chiefs when they lost mm-hmm. something like forty-one nothing. Um I mean, think about Christmas Eve. Uh, one o'clock game against the putrid Denver Broncos. It'll be There's going to be no one at that stadium. <laughs> I know, nobody. Nobody. It's going to be ugly. Uh, this week's you know, going to D- be ugly too. I think. Oh, oh yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I think so is. too. Yeah, I yeah. mean, at least the Broncos might have some fans here. The Cardinals have no True. fans no. anywhere. No. Uh, you know, Dan Steinberg <laughs> wrote on on the uh, in the in the post that the rating for last week was the worst in years. It was an 11.1, third. which was mm. lower than the eagles rams game which was happening concurrently um, so it meant hmm. people here wanted to watch another game more yeah. than the redskins that's a big deal to me and well, i think it's a two good teams, Though, let me ask you this that.
4: let me ask you this with everything that's going on and with gruden and and you know cousins most likely gone all these guys on one-year deals you think he'd be really uh devastated if 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 he is done here Who? no jay no 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 because I mean, look, his, he's got his he, extension. Somebody'll hire him. He's a, he'll he'll be he'll hired. Catch as on, he'll catch on
2: as a coordinator. But I'm saying with everything, else.
4: and look, I could make the argument, and I know you guys don't agree with me, or at he least Jamal doesn't. He's the mo- he's been the most stable thing in the last four years of this franchise.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, look, well, you, you to, him, to, so, yeah. to to sit here. I'm talking about the eager. way
4: he's the way he's he's kind of kept, you know, for the most part, kept this team together. And, and you know, made the playoffs. Last year, okay, they messed up at the end of the year. But as far as getting guys to play this – look, the Saints game this year took everything out of this team. That was mm-hmm. – as far as I'm concerned, that was the end of the year.
2: The last two weeks, they haven't showed up Right.
4: Well, after the Saints. but
2: uh, I, part I don't count that, the
4: Giants game. That game, you and I could have won that game.
2: Part of that right. is also the caliber – Dimitri, too. Uh, and I'll give I'll, I'll bend and, and give Gruden a little bit of credit for that.
4: Oh, but, thank you. But
2: part of that – He appreciates it. I, I'm sure you'll let him know next time you're at the park. <laughs> <laughs> the part of that is the kind of quality character guys that they have in the locker room now is totally different from what was there. But there's no Haynesworth and and people that just come here to get paychecks. Mm-hmm. So part of that is Jay, and part of that is guys like DJ Swearinger and you know the D Halls and and there's plenty of other folks that are they 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 have a will to win. Mm-hmm. They want to win. They want to play. And that's why you get guys like Norman who lash out sometimes, not because he's a diva. Correct. It's because he's passionate about winning. Trent the D- same way. Trent the same way. DJ Swanger, yeah. the same way. And now Junior Gallet has said he wants to test free agency. Fine. Because he wants to play. Of course. You know, not because he's looking for big money, because he's not going to get it right now. He wants to. And unfortunately, we have not given him an opportunity to play. I don't know why. Because he has definitely flashed. He's mm-hmm. getting to the quarterback or around the quarterback. It doesn't reflect in his sacks. He's getting hurries. He's affecting plays. But he, that's the kind of character that I'm talking about. Guys that he doesn't want to leave because he doesn't want to be here because he wants to get paid. He wants to play. He wants to be on the field. Mm -hmm. And those are the type of guys that they have in the locker room now. So part of it is Gruden. Part of it is the character and the spirit of guys that they have in the locker room that want to play and they want to win. And when they
3: don't win, they get pissed off.
4: So as a fan, what's
3: your best case
4: scenario last three weeks?
3: Well, see, okay, Mm -hmm. so so here's here's the question. I'm going to put it back on you for a second, George we laughed 2 weeks ago when they said we're going to evaluate Kirk Cousins based on these last 5 games. Yeah. It was ridiculous, right? Uh, you know, he's been here since 2012. How are you going to take the last 5 games and and say that that's the sum of the man? You have to look at the previous whatever it was, 53. So the question is, do you judge Jay Gruden by these last 3? And I think it's the same answer. I mean, look, if you if these guys don't come to play, I don't know if that's on coaching. This is not college football. This is mm-hmm. not high school football. It's not rah-rah, you know, give the Vince Lombardi, Newt Rockney speech in the locker room. These guys need to come out and play. Josh Norman, for all the accolades and all the things we love about Josh Norman, he quit Saturday. Mm-hmm. He was burned. Philip Rivers was burning him like uh, he hadn't burned anyone since NC State played Wake Forest. I mean, it was <laughs> bad how bad Norman played. Awesome. And as, I don't know if that's on Gruden, is it?
4: No, and to answer your question, I don't think it'd be fair either and talked to Vernon Davis yesterday and I, I asked him, I said, how much of this last three weeks is on the players mm-hmm. about <clears throat> coming out and doing your job to play? He says, 110% it's on the players. Yeah. I don't think as as athletes, they should play these last three weeks for A, because you're paid to do it. Right. That $500,000 paycheck every two weeks tells you you should do it. Mm-hmm. And you're not only playing for this team, but for the other 31 teams in right. the league. Jay Gruden should not and have to mo- motivate these guys right. to play the last three weeks. I, and if these guys quit, it's not because they don't like Jay Gruden. It's been documented this team likes to play for Jay. Right. So the fact that they would put that on and let's get together and not go out and play because we want Jay fired. No. Half this team's not going to. going to be an overhaul next year on oh, this yeah. roster. So to answer your question, Chris, I don't think it's fair either to to grade him. And I think, how about this? Any other organization, maybe, or maybe not any other, but twenty nine third of them in the NFL would agree with us. But we've seen the way things mm-hmm. go down here but at what? the end of seasons, and in that front office, when you just flip a switch and and just just and overreact,
2: unless they want to use that as an excuse, there's nothing in these last three games that you're gonna learn about. <clears throat> gruden or correct. cousins correct and you don't already know and you haven't already seen agreed so these last three games if they use that as a scapegoat as as an excuse for whatever they might decide to do that's all it is because evaluation of what in the last three games you've seen all you need to see from and them. here's
4: the thing you did give him an extension to now i get it the money is whatever money and money is paper whatever but you did give him a two-year extension yeah. before this season because of everything, I think, A, because you probably think that you're going to lose the quarterback. Mm-hmm. B, because of the way the Scott McLuhan thing went down. So you did – I don't think you've soured on him since the offseason no. the way everything has happened. Now, if you had a full roster yeah. and no injuries and the way things have you're gone down the last much, couple of weeks, you're much different. completely different. But I don't right. think you've changed you, – you can change – you know, lo, um, is logically the right word, but to, that, that since the offseason on Jay, because of what has
3: happened. I think he deserves it. Well, I mean, logically is never the right word, but the Redskins, <laughs> That's George. That's true. Thank he you. He deserves uh, at least a you know, more it, year, it's, though. If you, look at, if you look at the, you know, any coaching situation in any sport, yeah. and these teams that are so quick to pull the trigger on coaches and, and change them, and the Redskins are examples, you know, 1A through 1Z here, but... Anytime you, you know, you have to ask yourself, what's the next step? And Mm -hmm. the Redskins seem to fire guys without thinking about who's coming next. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, you know, Gibbs was different because Gibbs uh, didn't get fired. He resigned. And so you had that whole debacle after Gibbs, uh, Schottenheimer, they fired because they wanted Spurrier, but with Zorn and, and and now if they do Gruden, I mean, if they don't have anyone in mind, then I agree, you can't get rid of Gruden. And there's no right now obvious hot prospect coming up. There's not, right? right? I there's, I get, I get, I mean, there's no Sean McVay. I mean, yeah. and you know what? I, I, would, I would imagine that this is going to become the vogue thing to do is to hire a 30-something offensive coordinator who had a good season because Sean McVay has shown that you can do that in your first season and, and, you know. Some. Make the playoffs, maybe get you know uh, home game in the playoffs, maybe get a buy. Uh, so I, I think teams will be doing that, but the Redskins don't have a guy identified. I can't imagine there's no one out there like that with Mike, jumps. When they fired Mike, they had they had Jay. Like he yeah. was a, he was right. ready.
4: Yeah,
2: I have one name, and it's 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 not on anybody's radar. It's might be obscure, but it may make sense for this team. Russ Grimm. Russ has paid his dues as a, he's been at Pittsburgh. Arizona. Now he's in uh, with with Tennessee. Mm-hmm. He's paid his dues. He, he's a Hall of Famer. He knows what winning is and looks like in this organization. He comes from that. He comes from winning in this organization. He played for the Hogs. Fans would automatically be endeared to him as a coach. It it might not even be on the radar, but that's just a name that kind of pops in my mind. It's, it's obscure. It's, it's kind of there's no rhyme or reason hot, to it. It was a hot name, but it, but it 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 could make perfect sense, you know, be, because of his resume and who he's been, and he's paid his dues. He he deserves a shot somewhere.
3: Yeah, but I mean, Grim Georgia said it that Grimm used to be a hot name. I think. Yeah. I mean, conservatively, what was the, what was the I knock on that? His interview? interview, right? I mean, he's interviewed so many times yeah. and. No one's giving him a job, but I think that's a pretty clear sign yeah. that he doesn't uh, deserve a shot. I mean, yes, an interview is an interview, but if teams aren't if teams aren't rushing to give Russ Grimm any shot to coach their team, I mm-hmm. don't think that the Redskins should just because of nostalgia. We've seen this backfire, uh, you know, Ben mentioned at the top of the podcast when Dale Hunter came back yeah. to the Caps, yes. uh, you know, a, a more recent example. I, I don't think the nostalgia is there. I mean, Hugh Jackson, who was in Washington for a while and... Um, as a coach uh, the same thing he interviewed so many times for jobs then he eventually got uh, was at the raiders a little bit then he went to the browns and he's been the worst coach in nfl history according to win loss record uh, and he was another guy who interviewed a lot of places and didn't get jobs and people said well why isn't hugh jackson getting a job and i think they used to say that about russ grimm now he just seems to be a guy who's content to to do what he's doing and some men are not built to be head coaches yeah. and richie pettibone yeah, uh, was too, you know too. He was he. he's the prime example of it when he took over for Gibbs. Some guys are just better as coordinators. And I don't I, think
4: Callahan. I don't think Callahan would want it. Would Minuski? Would no. Manusky, Would, Manusky, would you give Minuski a shot?
3: I don't. know. I, I don't think. What Manusky about Todd Bowles?
4: What about Todd Bowles if he's out in New York?
2: I would. I would consider it. I, <laughs> I like. I like Todd Bowles. Yeah. I couldn't think of a whole lot of candidates.
4: I know. There's on no, the top of my head
2: now. If if Bowles is out in uh, in the Spagnuolo should get the shot at the Giants job, right? McNulty should have got to share the Giants' job a while ago. So let me
0: uh, ask a final question about Gruden. Then we'll get one more awesome anecdote from Ben Raby from his book and leave on a high note. Uh, uh, this, is, too. We'll get to that. this is dangerous business, but I have been looking at Jay Gruden's body language past few weeks. Oh, and yeah. um, he, George, you you actually go and talk to the man and observe the man in his oh, natural habitat. Yeah. I think he's checked out. Yeah, he's he's down. He's yeah, I think I think this whole
4: team, I think last week you saw everything just catch up to them at once. I think I think that's I think that's what happened. I think you saw it in Dallas and then last week as well. Look, it's human nature I would think it's just to keep fighting and fighting and then all of a sudden more injuries and last mm-hmm. week Trent goes out of the game again and right. you know, Morgan and I just think it's just it's just human nature at some point you just kind of exhale and you're like, I'm just done. But and I think it? Jay, I think Jay, I agree with you, Dimitri. I and mean, yesterday I was just sitting there watching him. He just is in the in his press conference, and he was asking about the preparation, and he made the comment about, well, we didn't play checkers last week. We are preparing. You know, he's just it's just unins- ins- uh, yeah, uninspired. So, uh, yeah, right now, and I think that's you know, I, I think that I think that's just part of it. But I if, do. If you're a head
2: coach, and I know we, it's not we, supposed to be, right. but I think just
4: human nature. I, I, I understand that yeah. part.
2: But we just spoke to the fact of so many reasons why the players need to keep playing Mm -hmm. and need to show up. On the flip side of that, if you see your coach, your fearless leader, so to speak, looking depleted, looking beaten and lost, that doesn't translate. Like you know, Mm -hmm. it's it's if you can tell by his body language that he's just at his, he just he doesn't have any more left.
4: I tell you what, i never if you
2: can see it if Dimitri notices it, then the players definitely notice
4: it. I've never been in that locker room in a in December and I literally did not know I, I couldn't tell you who these guys are. I'm literally have to look I well, I swear to God, that's I just a first you can't you'd have no I you're looking up at the name plates and yeah. I don't I, I don't
2: know them. At least you don't have to call the game. No,
4: i totally It's like it's like a, like a minicamp or a fourth preseason
0: game right now.
2: Yeah. Well that just about says it all. Sorry, for you want kids. to end on a
4: high note? There well, you no, go. No, no, we, we've still got Ben Ben has been
0: waiting patiently. Ben, give uh give something. Uh, again, the, the book is 100 Things Capitals Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. Once we- we're on the topic. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, we got back to it, Ben. Finish finish up here. I, I don't know. I mean, we putting a lot of pressure on you for a high note. You can use any example you want from your book.
1: Uh, well, I'll give you two real quick. One is uh, the book certainly highlights. I referenced it's not necessarily an infomercial for the organization they had a very difficult trying first few years as a franchise literally one of the worst expansion teams of all time so in speaking to a lot of former players got some funny stories and anecdotes about the First few times they went up to Philadelphia, faced the Broad Street Bullies in the mid-1970s. They were coming off back-to-back Stanley Cup wins, and the uh, the Philly flu struck a lot of capitals on those road trips. Guys, Ooh. you know, coming up with the sniffles, didn't want to go <laughs> into the spectrum, didn't want to have anything to do with these guys. And it uh, it actually took That's 21 funny. games cool. until they finally beat the Philadelphia Flyers. Wow. It took six years, 21 games, <clears> and uh, not to be outdone, the Montreal Canadiens, very similarly, 34 in a row before the Capitals wow. finally beat the Montreal Canadiens 8 Holy years into their existence sweet. so the the real quick story to that is uh, at some point the streak had reached 25 26 games and uh, owner of the late Abe Poland had had enough of losing to Montreal so before a game at the Capital Center in Landover he goes into the dressing room he has $500 for each player which, which back, <laughs> wow. in, back in the late 70s I imagine was a, yeah, a good amount of cash for penny. these fellas and he says to each of them with the cash he says I'm tired of you guys losing to Montreal all the time if you win tonight five hundred dollars for each of you will be waiting in your stall at the end of the game they come out, they start the game rah rah they're winning three nothing 225 into of the game fastest three goals in team history <laughs> to that point they lost 8-4 oh, is, is, is how that ends and uh <laughs> I'll, I'll spare you the details here but they went to a place called the farnsworth which was the watering hole next to the capitol center and uh yeah, a few of them had to see head coach the next morning. We'll, we'll, we'll put it that way. So, uh, few so them spent the
4: five hundred dollars so, they didn't have.
1: Exactly, exactly. So, uh, some tough times early on in the franchise, and uh, those are chronicled. The fellas can laugh at them decades later. Oh,
3: sure. And yeah, can. you know, I, yeah, I would say I, uh, George and I have been to Montreal once, and uh, I don't think we would have been in any shape to play hockey the next day either. So <laughs> I can, I can understand that one. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> all right, that's a great story to end on and more
0: uh, a- ammunition, if you want to say, or evidence that we need to appreciate the caps era that we're in right now. Because, you know, mid-seventies, exactly. that sounds like a they, they've yeah. come
1: a long way. Heck, in nineteen eighty-two they were uh, they were ready to fold all together. They had a save the caps campaign. Wow. in August nineteen eighty-two. Yeah. A Poland uh, needed four things to happen for the team to uh, to remain in these parts. A certain amount of tickets sold, certain amount of games on television, et cetera, et cetera. And and actually, he only had three of the four requirements met, but uh, ultimately signed off on keeping the team here. And uh, well, since then, since 1982... Only one other team has won more games than the Washington Capitals in the last oh. 35 years. Of course, a lot of teams have more Stanley Cups than they do over that <laughs> yeah. time, but if you're just looking at uh, regular season play, only the Detroit Red Wings have won more games than the Capitals since 1982, when the team was essentially saved from being on life support. Well, hopefully, they go. will That's be
0: our—that is crazy. It, they'll be our good news story this this year into next. That's Ben Raby. His new book is 100 Things. Capitals fans should know and do before they die. You can hear Ben before and after every Caps game on the radio. Also, D.C. area sports writer Chris Chase, who is uh, always uh, very generous with his time. And uh, the regular guys here, Jamal and George. Big Chi was here, and then like a phantom disappeared. Uh, but he'll be back he got again. got mad about cousins again. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, DMV Sports Roundtable is on iTunes, the Podcast One app, Podcast1.com, and even WTOP.com, or the WTOP mobile app. You just tap listen go caps and uh go skins I, I and do. wizards go whiz, go terps and god help us and hoyas we'll see you later